talk you through. We're back to Core 52. Uh, this, is, this is a book we've been working through on Sunday mornings, and uh, there's, there are copies of this out under the TV in the lobby if it's something you want to check out. It's 52 major themes in the Bible, and the idea is at the end of the year, um, you will have worked through most of the major themes of the Bible and even have a book to help you to, to get to know, uh, no matter where you are in your Bible journey, whether you're at the beginning or far down the line. It's just a, uh, it has some stuff each week, about four or five pages each week with each theme. Extra reading in other books, uh, extra reading throughout the scriptures, some essays, some practical um, like life application things. So um, check out Core 52 if you don't have one yet. Um, out under the TV. So this, this week's theme is, is baptism. It's on page 263 and, uh, of, of Core 52. So, so here's the deal. Baptism is this ritual. Um, very, you know, I think most people have heard of baptism, um, whether it be baptism of a baby or baptism of an adult. And it's this peculiar, maybe strange, maybe... Um, feels a little weird, a ritual associated with the church, associated with religion. And uh, what I want to do is, is kind of walk you through um, some of the major Bible texts uh, as, as far as baptism goes. And, um, you know, I don't want to, it's an emotional thing, and, and there are different uh, denominations, different um, um, aspects of Christianity that, that believe different things about baptism, and it can get fairly emotional. What I want to do is just walk you through Scripture. I'll throw in some of my opinions and then let you just kind of um, wrestle through uh, what the Scriptures say and, and then um, make decisions accordingly. So I just want you to get through today with, uh, I want to give you information and then you can make the best decision that you can from that and, and it doesn't come with any like judgment. I'm not like looking at you for how you respond to it, um, just yeah, so we'll go from there. All right, I'm going to start out in the book of Acts. And if you're new to the Bible, Acts is short for Acts of the Apostles, sometimes called Acts of the Holy Spirit. But it's an action-oriented uh, historical book of the Bible where um, uh, um, you see how the earliest followers of Jesus put into practice the things that he taught. How did they, he kind of said, okay, I'm starting this movement, uh, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. Now Jesus isn't walking with them physically anymore. He entrusted them to go and start this movement and start churches. And so we get to see what they did first as followers of Jesus in the book of Acts. And, and so if you want to return to this later this week, here's what I want you to remember. Two times eight is 16. Two times eight is 16, because we're going to look at Acts 2 Acts 8 and Acts 16 uh, as it relates to baptism. So, Acts starts off. <clears throat> Jesus tells his disciples, hang out, something really big is going to happen, you'll know it when it's here, and that's going to start the whole movement off, and then he ascends, uh, um, goes skyward, okay? And, uh, and the disciples kind of hang out. Pentecost comes, this is a well-known, celebrated Jewish holiday where there were lots of Jews in Jerusalem from all over the world. And this roaring wind comes in like a freight train, makes a lot of noise, and all of a sudden the early disciples of Jesus start to speak in other languages that people from other parts of the world can understand, probably showing that this is meant to be a global thing now, okay? And they, they're, they're obviously 
um, struck by the fact that these people um, from one region are speaking languages that they wouldn't normally be familiar with, and it's this miraculous supernatural thing. Peter addresses the crowd that has gathered and says, you know, Jesus that was crucified a few weeks ago, um, uh, God made him um, ruler, essentially. He's son of God, uh, God in the flesh. You guys got it wrong a few weeks ago with that whole crucifixion thing. And then we come to this moment. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Oops, what should we do? What do we do now? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord your God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So, there's a moment of conviction. This is a brand new movement. This is a brand new thing. There are no you know, preconceived anything. Like, what do we do? How do we join? Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Now, repent is a big, scary, churchy word. Um, but the main idea is turn. Turn. Okay, here's my, my go-to... Um, example for repentance is it's it's january 2nd you wake up your stomach skin hurts because you've eaten so much over the past six weeks the expansion it's like hurting okay you're getting stretch marks <laughs> and you stand on the scales and you just have that uh i don't want to touch another piece of fried food like you're just like you really are at that moment i don't even it doesn't even sound good um that's repentance. It's not, you know, when you're back into shape um, or, you know, after you've done all things right for a few weeks. Repentance is the first step. I got to fix this. That's repentance. And then be baptized. Now, the word baptism, it's the Greek word baptizo, and it meant, I mean, it was a, it was a common word in those days. It meant to dip, dunk, or plunge. And in the religious context, because it was not new, it was not anything Christianity invented, okay? Christianity reimagined baptism, but it had been around in other faiths for a long time. And if you look at um, an ancient baptistry, and this is a thing in archaeology, there were many of them around, um, you would go down the steps into a little pool, and you were basically dunked under the water, brought that, that was what baptism was. They, there was an idea in their mind when he said, I want you to be baptized, and here's what you do. They didn't need to say that because it was already a thing. But, but we're going to talk about in a little bit how, how the Christian movement reimagined baptism, but they knew what it was. Oh, that's that thing where you go and you get dunked under the water. And it was symbolic of washing and newness and cleansing and things like that. Okay, But baptism was a thing, and they had a picture of it in their mind. And when Peter says, repent and be baptized, I want you to also see the, the he amps up for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I mean, that's a 
pretty good company there. That's a pretty strong association with baptism. Forgiveness of sins. And the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the idea of, of the Holy Spirit um, somehow coming inside of, of, your, of your soul, of, of, your, of your life. Um, and and uh, it's, it, Paul says that that's your guarantee. Uh, that's what marks you as one who will live forever with God um, in eternal life. So that's the pretty strong language there. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then that day, they responded with baptism. So let's take what we started there and build on it and move to, to our next one, which is, which is Acts 8. 2 times 8 is 16. This is a long reading. Now an angel of the Lord <coughs> said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met the Ethiopian eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the, the prophet. He's in the Old Testament. Um, and the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it. So he invited Philip to come up um, to sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life? was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. So we see this idea of they're down in the water. Philip baptized him, and then they came up out of the water. So this wasn't like, you know, he brought a little cup of water up and poured it on his head. This was, you know, they were, they were all in, into the water, out of the water, baptism. And the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So... Um, there's a lot of there's a lot we can infer that I think is is important from this passage. First of all, um, this is a this is an Ethiopian eunuch. He, he had some some Jewish um, roots in that he was going to Jerusalem to worship. That's all we know. But he was not obviously because he needs some help interpreting things. It's new to his Jewish faith. He had no idea who Jesus was, and, um, and at some point, however long this encounter was, he went from not knowing who Jesus was, to knowing who Jesus was, to getting baptized. Now, let's think about that for a little bit. Um, let's think about what Philip didn't say. 
Okay, Philip didn't say, here's what I want you to do. Take a few weeks, work on your addictions, learn more about the scriptures, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons, and then I'll come back around, meet up again, and we'll do your baptism. He didn't say, I want you to study Christian doctrine first, make sure you believe all the right things, then we'll come back and we're going to play Bible trivia, and if you beat me, well, like none, none of that stuff. It was just, oh, Jesus is, Jesus died for my sins and lived, was raised to life, and, and I joined the movement through, okay, okay, let's go get baptized right now. So this was an upfront thing, and I say this because as you can infer from what I, you know, my, the, I hear it a lot. I just, I need to make sure that I'm doing this for the right reasons. Man, is my heart right, or do I just like? Am I doing this to want to be seen? Want to be seen? Uh, you know, uh, am I? Do I really know enough to? None of that was a part of, of because here we see two examples now, of of you know, hey, the church has started, and immediately three thousand people are baptized. They didn't know much about Jesus. I mean, they just had him killed a few weeks ago. There was no period of. Learning. It was an upfront thing. And then uh, in this encounter, we see this guy who doesn't know anything about Jesus and has a little chariot ride. And within, you know, what, an hour? He's starting his Jesus journey with baptism. Okay, now let's move to chapter 16. 2 times 8 is 16. This is a story where Paul and Silas... They're ministry buddies, and um, uh, they're arrested for sharing their faith and thrown in jail, and, and um, God intervenes. The prison's, uh, like there's some supernatural earthquake type stuff. Prison doors fly open. Jailer thinks all the prisoners are gone, which is going to mean his own execution, He's in a bad way. Paul and Silas say, hold on, don't do anything crazy. We're still here. We didn't leave. And we read this. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And for him, like life and death is in the balance here, okay? And he says, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Now, there is, when the scriptures, the parchment wasn't wasted. The memory wasn't wasted. In other words, if there's an obscure detail in Scripture, it's there for a reason. Um, they, they were very cautious about how much stuff they communicated because they only had so much parchment, so much ink, and when it, a lot of it was done by memory. So, so, so when there's a little detail there, and I want you to look at that little detail, in that hour of the night, immediately they were baptized. So, so just, they want us to know. This was a first step. Baptism is not down the road. 
Baptism was a first step, and it was, it was intentional. So it, it, the jailer didn't have any clue about any of this stuff. And he didn't wait to get anything right. He didn't wait to learn any Christian doctrine. He's like, yep, I'm in. Let's do the baptism thing. And, and this is when you talk about Philip, when you talk about Paul, when you talk about Peter. Apostolic authority from God to create this system, for lack of a better word. <laughs> okay, now... Let me talk a little bit about how baptism was reimagined because I said that you know ancient Jews and even other faiths used baptism. It was a thing in the culture, in people's minds. When Peter said, repent and be baptized, they had an idea of what he was talking about, okay? And you, go down in the, you go down the steps into the pool, drop under, come back up, dunk under, come back up, whatever. There's under the water, there's out of the water. That was baptism. They knew it. That's how it was done. That's how you did the thing. Now listen to what Paul says as he reimagines the symbolism of baptism. Romans 6, Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may now live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like, this, like his... We will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, this is important here because in, in the ancient um, Christians speculated a lot about this and really gave, um, um, they filled in the gaps for this, okay? The idea is you're under the water. You're not breathing like this in his death. Jesus was in, you know, in the tomb, not breathing. He was dead. You're out of the water. You're breathing again. There's a newness of life resurrection. And then there's that powerful clause there. Again, baptism, there's some language in the Bible that, that, that's very um, high level with baptism, you know, for the forgiveness of your sins, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're here. If you have been united with him in death, then you will be united with him in his resurrection. Like that's some pretty, <clears throat> that's quite the promise. But you see that there, there's, the, there's an experience that God designed, that he wanted people to have from the very beginning. He wanted you to feel that death and resurrection so that you could relate with the death and resurrection of Jesus and the promises that there you're being linked with that. Now, there's also this idea of that there's, you know, throughout the scriptures, um, there's a lot of connection between God and water. Not only the ancients used water as a symbol of the Trinity for the three forms of water, um, liquid, ice, gas, um, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, uh, but then you get this idea of, of being drenched, like, like you're being drenched in God. You're being, Paul says, you're being immersed into Jesus Christ. So there's this powerful experience. And in God's wisdom, he says at the beginning, from the beginning, I want you to experience, I want you to have a ritualistic experience of the new life that starts when you choose to follow Jesus. So I look at baptism, and I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty neat that God said, I think, this, I think it would be good for you to have this experience at the very beginning of the death and burial and resurrection of my son. And you can know that just like he, you're now in this. We're in this. Now, let's move to Jesus himself. <clears throat> say it all the time here. If you say you follow Jesus, that means you do what he did. Now, so, you know, that... This is not like following somebody on Twitter where you're interested in their influence. 
Okay? You follow Jesus in the ancient context. You follow a rabbi. It meant you're going to get to know as much as you can about them. You're going to learn their ways. You're going to do their ways. You're going to follow their example. You are going to eat, breathe, sleep. The person you're following, and you're going to make your life as close to theirs, resemble theirs as closely as you possibly can. And so when we look at Jesus, the Gospels all point out that he began his ministry by submitting to baptism. And the words he used are, let it be so to fulfill all righteousness. Because Jesus went and found John the Baptist and says, hey, I need you to baptize me. And John the Baptist, like, dude, it's in your name. You baptize people. John the Baptist was like, no, I ain't bad. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. I'm not baptized. You baptize me. I don't baptize you. And Jesus is like, uh, no, we got to do this to fulfill all righteousness, okay? So then John baptized Jesus. Now, this is important. I know that for some people who are further along in their faith journey, you might avoid, like if, if you just, just, let's say you started in the faith and, and, and baptized, not something your church emphasized, and you're, now you're down the road, you've been a Christian for decades and you're like yeah that's something you do at the beginning I don't want to like put myself back there I'm, I'm past that well, I want you to see Jesus here okay Jesus was fairly advanced in his faith when he was baptized okay he had a lot spiritually going for him already and yet he submitted to baptism because that's at its core also what baptism is because baptism is silly I mean, hey, let somebody else dunk you underwater. Get yourself soaked. Like, I mean, you know, when you get drenched at a party or something like that, it's fairly embarrassing. I was, let me do this now, okay? So I was at the, I was at the game, um, I was at the game the other night. You saw, you saw it on Facebook. Um, this guy goes running by to get a foul ball, which would have split my head open had I not got out of the way. I was at that, you know, um, and Spencer, my son, is walking with his bowl of nachos, big bowl of nachos. And this guy, trying to get by him, does this, like, swim move. And, and knock the nachos clear. It's on, it's on, um, it was on TV. Um, ends up, this guy has these, this bowl of nachos all across the front of him. And then I had the rest on my shorts. Meanwhile, Spencer's just standing there, like, what just happened to my nachos? I had it one minute, now I don't. But anyway, there's this, when we get drenched with something, there's an embarrassment to it. Okay, it's just, so baptism, there's a submission there to baptism. And, and, and there's just, you know, that's another thing that I just check your motives if you're putting off baptism, because if it's anything along the lines of, of an embarrassment or like, ah, I'm too advanced for that, uh, Jesus, Jesus did, and he did as an adult. Circumcised as a baby, baptized as an adult. Now, um, let's look at the command of Jesus. This is in Mark 16. He told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Believes and is baptized will be saved. (coughs) Jesus assumes his followers will be baptized. The apostles assumed that if you walked with Jesus, you would be baptized. Um, while I say, you know, obviously this is all your decision, and I'm not here to look, I, it's pretty clear 
it's, it, 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 it's pretty well fact that there was an assumption among Jesus and his disciples that followers of Jesus would be baptized. Uh, that's, it's tough to, to read the scriptures and conclude that it was like, yeah, it's optional. I mean, it was, it was just something that you did if you said yes to Jesus. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about a couple questions I get here. Two questions. <clears throat> what about infant baptism? That's a great question. I was baptized as a baby in the Methodist church. Um, and and so, so infant baptism... Um, most likely started from the belief of, of, from the doctrine of original sin. There are some Christians that believe that, that we are born sinful and born separated from God. Not all Christians believe that, some do. And then, that, that then the next step, and when there's high infant mortality, lots of babies you know, didn't, didn't live very long, you, you then begin to fear, well, what's going to happen to my baby if, if they're born sinful? Um, but baptism was always in the ancient church associated with forgiveness of sins. It just was. It's, it's not really debatable. Um, and so let's baptize babies to make sure they're okay. There are even accounts, ancient accounts, of like them trying to baptize babies um, through the birth canal uh, for troubled pregnancies. So, so you kind of get that idea of where infant baptism started from. Um, and, and so I, I would say that, and, and this is not, you know, I'm not, I don't want to do a bunch of disclaimers, but I don't have anything against my buddies in ministry and friends and family that, 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 are, that do the infant baptism thing totally, you know, it's their thing. Um, uh, when, I was, when I was in high school, I saw the ritual, and I wanted that experience for me. And I wanted to do, um, I wanted to do it like the way they did it in the Bible as much as I could. And so I, you know, I think that, that what you can say is, thanks, mom and dad, for uh, their church told them to set you apart through infant baptism, and they did all they could to make you right with God to set you apart. And and that's a great thing that they did. But if it's something where you're like, but I want to, I want the experience, because I think you would agree that the, that the that the one month old baby. Um, has no benefit from the experience, from the experiential side of baptism. There's no way they're going to remember that um, experience of the, of the drenching with God, of the death and burial, of the resurrection, new life, all that, doing the Bible thing, the Bible way that it was done. So thank you, Mom and Dad. I appreciate that. I want this experience now for myself. And it's not to say that that didn't count or that I need to be more baptized. It's just I want this experience. Or... 45-year-old Alex says, just don't tell him. Just get baptized and don't tell him. And then Thanksgiving's not awkward. So um, that's my little spiel on infant baptism. Um, now let's move on to the other question I get all the time. Do I have to? Like, is it, is it essential? Is, is baptism essential for forgiveness? Do, do I have to? And so what I'd say is, here's, here's Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Romans 10.9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? So that's, faith is the key that unlocks the whole thing and, and that's undeniable. However, I think what you can say is through Scripture, clearly baptism, baptism is God's idea that he wants for you. And there are 
scriptures that strongly link baptism with the forgiveness of sins, with the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we be united with him in his death, we'll be united with him in his resurrection. And so I'm a big fan of saying, why not just do it all? Then you know that you've done it all. Then we're not saying, ah, do I have to do that? Because here's the thing. <clears throat> if, if God were to come to you the night before a car wreck and say, you know, I'm, he sends Gabriel. I'm the angel Gabriel. He wakes you up. Hey, I'm the angel Gabriel. I stand before the face of God every day, and he sent me to tell you you're going to be in a serious car accident tomorrow. Wear your seatbelt, and you will live. And you're like, well, hold on. Do I have to wear my seatbelt? Because they're kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, not everybody's projected from the car. Uh, the, the airbags sometimes keep you. Do, do, do I have to wear my seatbelt um, to live, really? And, like, he says, wear your seatbelt and he leaves. Um, like, that's just silly, right? Like, we wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, do I have to? And so if God's like... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will live forever in heaven and have the Holy Spirit to guide you. Eh, do I really have to do the baptism thing? I, I mean, like, like, I got enough garbage in my life to have me between me and God. I don't need the, uh, do I have to? As enough, like, I, so I, I would say is, is faith is the key that unlocks the whole thing. And I have no need whatsoever, and God's not going to ask me my opinion about whether or not you're saved apart from baptism. But what I can say is when I look at Scripture, it's pretty clear that God wants you to be. And I don't know that there's a great reason for you not to submit to that. That's like a godly reason. And so there you go. You make the decision. Um... We're going to do one last song, and here's what I would do. During this last song, you can have a seat during the song and kind of take it in, wrestle with some things. And if you look at this and you lay, and you lay it out and you're like, yeah, I probably, let's, let's do it. Um, we'll schedule, come see me. We'll schedule your baptism, or I'll talk with you more about it. Um, you could do it during a service. I say that because it's up behind the screen. The screen goes up if you haven't been there before. Um, or we could do it after the service if you want a more private um, baptism. But I would love to talk with you more about that. Don't do the thing where you know you should right now, but you give it a few weeks, and then it's gone and out of your... Like, like let's close the deal. Let me know today, um, and, and we'll get something set up for, for follow-up, okay? Let's pray. God, I pray that, that uh, if there are some individuals here that... that um, that you want to surrender to baptism, uh, that you would lay it on pretty thick, and um, that your spirit would turn in their hearts, and we would get that scheduled today. Um, thank you for the symbolism of baptism and the promise of, of, of covering us with your presence forevermore. Um, that's a gift, and it's an amazing gift, and we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen.